This is Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois. The podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. And now here's your host, Navy SEAL founder of Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, Rob Dubois. In 1999, I came into a, the side of a hillside really hard and fast. I had a few really interesting parachute landings in my jumping career. And one was on a runway, came in, ran with the wind, it's called, when you inadvertently, as a young jumper, go the wrong way and go faster because the wind is pushing you. I came in about 30 knots or 30 miles an hour on an asphalt runway with just my body and a thin piece of fabric as I bounced down the runway. But we think the one that really cranked my neck and damaged my spine was hitting a mountainside on, in northern Oahu, in Hawaii. And I remember distinctly that my crown, the crown of my head, slammed into the ground beside my body, which means a 90% bend plus high force. That created a herniation in the disc, which was not a ruptured disc, but did cause deadness across the back of my left arm, which was kind of awesome because everything else on my body hurt like hell. And I lied about it like everything else in the SEAL career and went back to business and pretended I was just fine. Marched for a couple of days with a rucksack on my back up and down mountains in the jungle because that was our mission to train. So, so fast forward to when I got the surgery on my spine. And I had a chance, I guess it was uh, January of 99, I went under the knife and Doc was an amazing guy at Tripler Medical Center in Hawaii. He fixed the disc, he cut it out, he cut bone out of my left hip and plugged that in there and screwed it all together with a titanium plate that looks like a dog tag on x-rays. So that was, that was a fun process, I had to trust that process. And quick anecdote, walking barefoot in my house the day after that surgery with a C-spine collar and padding all over, bandaging all over my hip, just walking like Tim Conway's little old man, I somehow managed to step on a centipede with my bare left foot on the affected side, the hip that had been damaged by the surgery. And my leg, through the pain of being stabbed by a seven or eight inch centipede, shot up into the air in front of me, much like our guests could do a high kick today as an involuntary response to my foot not wanting to be where the centipede was anymore in that instant. The pain was blinding. I literally, literally saw Basically, the, the, the sky before my eyes in my darkened house lit up like lightning bolts in front of my face because the pain was blinding. I was already in a lot of pain, and I added this centipede and then the tearing of the sutures in my left hip. So that was kind of fun. I don't recommend you step on a centipede ever barefoot, but if you do, don't do it the day after a hip surgery because things get spicy. So fast forward to my recovery. I took almost a year to get, to get fully mended from that, get ready to run, jump, and play as a seal again. Now, regular listeners know that I'm not just a SEAL. I didn't do that for 20 years. I did it for 10 years. My first 10 of my Navy career was as a Russian linguist, which, of course, is speaking of spicy, getting interesting today, too, in 2022, as we watch Vlad Putin do what he's doing. But I had to make a choice along the way, and I had to choose a course because as a, as a very competent Russian linguist, I was being recruited to a team called OSIA or On-Site Inspection Agency that wanted the best Russian linguist to fly to Moscow and interpret for the scientists. And it was very tempting. I really thought, you know, I want to go that way because the team life just takes me away. I was in my former marriage, I was gone for eight years out of the first 15 as an example, eight years, over 50% of a 15-year marriage by that point. 
So I gave it a lot of thought. I really struggled and wrestled with that moral dilemma because I would have been gone and deployed like a like a flying cryptologist, a Navy guy, uh, a Russian linguist for some time with the OSIA. But after some months of pondering it while I recuperated, I thought, you know what? I'm not done being a SEAL yet. I'm not, I'm not going to sacrifice it. I I'd only jumped in four years earlier to uh, become a SEAL, and I was at the team for three years before I got busted up. And I decided I was going to stay the course. I was going to go back to the teams. I was going to run and jump and play, get rehab, whatever was necessary to make my body ready to be a frogman again, and and dive back into it because I wasn't, you know, it was it was it was barely established this career as a SEAL, and it wasn't enough for me. I wasn't satisfied. I believed I still owed more as well as I had more to take from it because I I could grow some more. So I did. I went back to the teams. I, I, As we'll talk about in this task today, which is task 11, which is select your path, is the next to the last one of our 12 tasks in the high impact system. The next one, when you hear the next podcast, will be task 12, execute your mission. And I'm really looking forward to our guest for that one too. So let's bring it over to a quick segue here to the, to the task I'm talking about of selecting your path. In the past 10 weeks, you've been listening to our 10 tasks of running from commit to growth all the way up to observe your arena and orient your options. Now we're talking about you've got all the data, you've done all the intel prep of the battlefield, all the IPB, you understand exactly what the scenario is that's facing you in your life. You've taken time to to clarify what you're about, what you believe in, what's right for you, what's not right for you. You've highlighted your gaps like an anti-terrorism officer like we talked about recently. And now it's time to make the decision. And I want you to keep in mind that any decision can be changed later unless it involves your death. So we benefit, as we do in Impact Actual, looking at growing together through our evolution as a company into a, a a very robust infrastructure and functioning executive team. And that brings me back to our guest today. You need to do all the above and then select your path and then finally execute your mission. But the path selection can be tricky. I mentioned today that we have a guest on who is no stranger to high kicks. This is our executive administrator, Melissa Dockham, a.k.a. Prima, because that's what ballerinas should be called for (laughs) for their call signs on the team. Welcome aboard, Prima. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me. That was quite the introduction. Well, this is going to be an interesting uh, process because you are a dancer, yes. retired, retired dancer retired and performer. performer. Yes. Yeah. And and what blows my mind is that you actually did perform at Radio City Music Hall in New York mm-hmm. City. Mm-hmm. You had an international career of dancing. Mm-hmm. You you were kicking high, but you didn't have to get stepped on uh, stepping on centipedes to make that happen. You did it by choice as compared to my my choice, my path. Exactly. <laughs> the exactly. path I selected across that floor <laughs> that night. I will tell you that long story short, the, the centipede died. Uh, that that was a that was a lively night. That was a hand to hand combat, hand to pincer combat. <laughs> so you and I talked about this, and the reason that you are the optimal person to talk about selecting your path is because you've done it on numerous occasions in your own life. Yes. You, came on board with us as you've been evolving through your own professional careers and career paths. And and the, the Prima thing is amazing. I think it's really, even even the decision to go from New York City to the International was one of your one of your waypoints, we'd call it, right? A left-right decision, mm-hmm. A, B in, 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 in IT terms. 
Can you tell me a little bit about your appreciation for the importance of this? This step is not, it's not to be taken lightly. Yeah, for me, as a performer transitioning into teacher, transitioning into, you know, well, COVID life, which basically killed the arts for a while, I'm conditioned to select my path multiple times. You know, it's not like I chose my nine to five job and stuck with that for the rest of my life. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. But for me, so I, when I graduated college with a dance performance degree, I went to New York because that's what you should do. That's what you're expected to do. And did Radio City and it was great. But for me, I didn't feel that longing to be in the city and I don't care if I'm going to be suffering for my art. I've just got to be in New York. Um, I just wasn't feeling that deep down like a lot of my colleagues were. And so the second I got my, my first international touring gig, I peaced out and quite frankly didn't go back to New York since then. I was there for two years um, and then left and did the cruise ship world, which I absolutely loved. Um, was in L.A. for a little bit, and then um, even good old Branson, Missouri is in the mix. Um, but for me, my path was not the what's expected of a, you know, musical performer path. And, I, and it took me a couple years to realize that that's okay. It's okay. You don't have to stay in New York City and do what everybody else is doing. That's a really important consideration, and it goes right back to what we've been talking about in the previous tasks about always being honest, you know, uh, the task on highlighting your gaps is about being honest on your weaknesses. The task about basically, as I talk about from sobriety is searching in fearless moral inventory. M much of what we do is, is based on that. Well, everything we do is based on the idea of authenticity, of, of deep, rigorous honesty. And I think it's important also to keep in mind that there's a thing called brutal honesty, which I think too many people use as an actual stick to beat other people. For whatever reason, they, they like to feel good uh, about helping other people feel bad by being honest. Like, oh, that shirt, you know, I'm being honest and that blouse is, looks terrible <laughs> on you. This right. is not right now. To, I'm not talking to you, but a scenario. The tie, the guy's wearing a tie. You know, Fred, that tie is just really not looking good on you. Mm -hmm. Well, there's other ways to say things. There's other ways to say the truth with grace, with respect for the person's experience of what they're going to hear. Stephen Covey talked about his, his wife, Sandra, who was the best person at saying no he'd ever met. She said it with grace. And, and when she, so if, if, her, if her lady friend said, hey, come on out, we're going to go, go get some tea this afternoon for a couple hours and just visit. But Sandra knew she had something else she preferred to do, and she'd say, I thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation. And she would say it in a way that made them feel terrific about being rejected. They'd be like, right. you know what? She respects us. She thinks about it. So brutal honesty, listener, please keep in mind, if you're one of those who loves to swing the brutal honesty stick, you may be doing that more to get yourself off than to help that other person out. And there's a better way to say it if they end up feeling hurt by it. Now, honesty, when it really comes down to it, like calling a friend out for, for really wrong behavior. If I have a dude who promised to be in a marriage and be sexually faithful to his wife, and I'm being specific about the phrasing here. I don't 
care who does what in their relationships. That's their business. I care if you did make a deal with her in the agreement to get married. If you did say there's going to be fidelity here, if you did say this, I'm going to be sexually uh, faithful and exclusive with you, and then he goes out and bangs straight chicks like I saw everywhere in the Navy. It's a very common thing to have road bachelors. Then I can I can comfortably get in that guy's face and say, dude, not my business to change your choices, but I'm going to call it out. I'm not I'm not going to just ignore this and look the other way and say, you know, I again I'm not going to try and change his way of looking at the world or or, or I'm not going to say uh, I am the boss of you. You shouldn't yeah. do that behavior. That's not my place. But I will absolutely call out extremely discordant behavior based on somebody's promises. Like a guy promises to keep a contract with me, I will hold him to it. That's accountability, one of our guiding principles. Accountability is key. And you mentioned my favorite word, should. Let's come come back yeah. to that. The shoulds, don't should on yourself, right? right? You shoulded all over yourself for some, You, I should say you didn't. You actually chose not to follow the shoulds, but you, you felt that pull, pull of the shoulds. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I, even what you just said about being brutally honest, that was something that I had to learn to be honest with myself and realize I'm doing what I should do or what I've been taught to do. But deep down, I don't really want to do that. I don't, I don't want to take that path. And so to be honest with myself and realize I, I don't want to live in New York City and that's okay. I want to tour the world and I have this opportunity to do it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to go against the should. And even moving forward, so um, had my career, was great. But even moving into retirement, um, even though I'm 36, retirement sounds kind of funny. But, you know, I, I, I definitely hit that point where I thought, man, I just, I'm sitting here in the dressing room putting on my makeup and I, I think I'm done. The drive, the passion is just not, there's something, there's something more for me to do. Um, but what do you do as a retired performer? You should teach. So I thought, okay, that's what I should do. And so I taught for about four or five years. And I'll toot my horn. I was really good at it. I had the opportunity to work alongside some amazing professors and masters of their craft but I just, it still wasn't for me. Um, and it was working with these fellow instructors that I realized, man, like they've got the passion for teaching. They eat, sleep, breathe it. They go to, they go to bed thinking, what choreography can I do tomorrow? They wake up in the middle of the night with teaching techniques and write them down. And that's just not, that's just not me. And so I had another moment of I'm doing what I thought I should do, but I don't really like it. Now what do I do? So I had to have another, you know, brutally honest conversation with myself. Okay, but what do you want to do? So that's something I can relate so strongly to because I, you know, similarly in the military, we retire at a young age in our late 30s. Now I'm a retired person. I happen to be 40 when I did because I started the Navy a little bit later than most people. But I was 40 years old, which I know looking back 15 years ago was a very, very young person. And I had a feeling at the time too, I'm starting a new life. I'm starting a new career. What do I want to do? 
And I wrestled with what should I do because how do you convert being a commando to the civilian sector? You know, where in the Dilbert cartoon is a guy that is a SEAL? It doesn't fit. There's no – in fact, I first started out Lockheed Martin as a defense contractor, contracting employee doing security stuff and red team stuff because I should – that's what SEALs did. You either go to DynCorp, Triple Canopy, Blackwater during the GWAT. That was the global war on terror. I was retiring in 06. And everyone, all the SEALs and all the Green Berets were either going to Blackwater to be a security officer down downrange or into the intelligence community supporting the global war on terror and counterterrorism. And I'm good at it. I'm really good at it. Like you said, you're great at teaching. I'm really good at CT. And I don't think I'll ever stop doing it entirely. I don't think I, I, I want to be out of the game entirely, but I couldn't do just that. For me, it was so important to get this going. This was 2006, 7, 8, 9. And so in that fateful year, my first year of contracting, I learned from uh, – I had a, a, a should that I should do this. Then I should go into program management within that community. First get get my chops for as, a, as, a, as an intelligence analyst or advisor and – then become program manager for Intel and CT guys. And then I should work toward executive level in one of my companies, in, in a company that I've, that I've joined, because that's what we should do. We should do. SEALs do this. It's a path. And a lot of guys have done it. And like you said, God bless them. More power to you if that's your fit. But it wasn't my fit. And it wasn't until 2013 that I had a real spiritual crisis with it. I guess 12 and 13, I was... I felt sick one day. I was lying in bed and just really sick, didn't want to go to work, felt like I couldn't go to work. I was a little bit physically sick, but I felt this oppressive weight on my soul that I was doing the wrong thing. I was on the wrong track. And that's what really, that was, I guess, eight years ago that started what we're doing now. That started, well, 10 years ago. And it was the foundation of my getting serious about the coaching and consulting and what we've built with Impact. Because I had to do something. I've heard people in certain professions say, why do I do it? Because I can't not do it. Like a dancer or an actor or a singer. I can't not do it. When you're in that zone, like a seal, I couldn't not do it. Mm -hmm. I had to almost kill myself many times to do this (laughs) behavior in life that a lot of people would think is insane because I couldn't not do it. It called me at that time of my life, like you're describing. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's so important too, at that time of your life. That's something that I'm learning even now and how I joined Impact. Again, COVID hit. Uh, Yes, I was still master teaching online, but it wasn't, again, my passion. And then personally, going through a divorce, having some trauma in the personal world, it just, it's almost like life kind of, speaking of choosing your path, life almost kind of directed me into this other path and suddenly I'm going, holy cow, what do I do? I have this blank page. I I know who I am. I have my passion of dance and movement. I know that I'm good at teaching and I and I like some of it. Like I I loved going in, you know, coming in for two weeks as the master teacher and whipping everybody into shape being inspirational, giving them some choreography, having a wonderful feel-good two weeks, and then just leaving them to it, you know. That part of it spoke to me. And in fact, so getting into Impact, it was Jason Rowinski, 
our preach, who I've known for, dear Lord, over 20 years, said, hey, like, you love helping people, you love movement, you love structure, how about let's bring you into this fold of this new thing I'm doing and it's Impact Actual, and for now, we just need, well, an executive assistant for Rob. I know it's not your forever job, but there's something happening here, and I think while you're figuring out your next path, this is the this is like the perfect petri dish <laughs> to exper- experiment with. And following so, that, I mean, truly, as we're talking now, I'm still figuring out what is my next path. Right. Exactly. But I'm at a point in my life where it's exciting. It's not fearful. You have to be on one to start. It's like in the teams. We have to have a plan to change the plan. Right. You can't find out whether how the executed plan is off base until you do the plan. Right. Following those nudges is the key to discovering the next nudge. Yeah. With action comes clarity. Right. You're not going to, you don't know what you don't know until you just do it. So I thought, well, shoot, sure, I'll be an executive assistant. Never and that's that how before. it started. Mm-hmm. You know, these memes they have today, how it started, how it's going. I saw yeah. one the other day with a little pit bull puppy and a cat that's like five times as big as him. And then how it's going is, well, obviously the pit bull is 10 times as big as the cat and, and still his little buddy. Right. But that's how it started with us. We we knew that somebody had to, well, little little inside baseball here. Um, I think people who who listen to this podcast like to know how we've evolved, where we've come from. And Trisha couldn't wrangle me forever. Trisha has a lot going on. Trisha Drago, a.k.a. Ninja, is our director of ops and finance. And that's a huge thing. Somebody's got to run the company because Rob can't. And so uh, she did her best to be my, uh, you know, writing uh, the cowboy chasing the 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 the, the uh, wayward sheep around, or whatever I whatever I am when I'm trying to manage things. You're the goat. We're chasing. I don't the, do it well. I am the goat. goat. I am the goat, and somebody's <laughs> got to herd the goat. It literally is a goat herd job, right? That's that might be your new handle. If we ever get rid of Prima, it'll be goat herd because somebody's got to keep track of Rob and find out where the hell he is. Put a bell on him, will you? <laughs> but the the magic is, I can laugh about my deficits. And I can brag about your strengths. I can brag about Ninja's strengths because that's where that's where our our success is coming from. The company is functioning because we're not full of ego. We're not saying I can do it all like I used to. We're not saying I should do this because it's a, a matter of prestige. I, I, as Trisha talked about on her own episode of this uh, a podcast, uh, you know, I came into her office five or six years ago with a, a shopping bag full of crumpled receipts. The first thing they had to teach me is stop crumpling the receipts, dude. It makes it really hard to photocopy, <laughs> you oh, idiot. You, so that does not I've, surprise I've grown. me at all. <laughs> well, it just seemed easier to crumple them first, but it was actually doing the job twice, right? Never do jobs twice. I, I strongly recommend that, that old adage, never touch a job more than once. If you're holding the document that you need to take action on, take action on it. Maybe, as people will talk about, well, we'll, we'll be talking about with our IPM, the impact planning method coming up in the very near future, um, you don't have to do the action right now. You can do it if it's a two-minute task like David Allen talks about for uh, – for getting things done, or you can delegate it, which is something I've had to evolve into, as you've had to evolve into it in your own work. 
as we talked about recently. And then you can delete it, defer it. I can put it on my calendar for a later day when I have the 17 minutes I need to do that job. But it's just a matter of becoming more functional. And and each of us is growing in our own ways inside of Impact, as it's, even as we're helping others grow outside of Impact, because we're relying on consultants who do things for us, specifically Anna mm-hmm. and Aga right mm-hmm. now. Uh, we've had so many great helpers who are helping us get to where we need to be. And that is a key part of, uh, of, of again, being honest with oneself. I wanted to ask you about how, you know, we talk about body, mind, heart, and soul all the time. And like I said, I should become a, a contractor, defense contractor during GWAT. And I should become a PM, which I did. And I did it well. I can I can track time cards and travel claims. I hate it. I hate it a lot. And that's where I had that spiritual crisis because I was, I was growing toward the executives. I was going to become one of the company bosses in the wrong company. We, we had to go out and build impact just so we could be the right bosses in the right company. Because it would have been a big, hollow, empty life for me to be somebody else's moneymaker and make money by doing it. Um, I have nothing against defense contracting or business management in general. I'm trained to do it. That's what my degree is in. degrees are in. But um, I don't like it. <laughs> and if I can and acknowledge okay. that, it's somebody okay else can do it. Not to yes, like exactly. It. Yeah. So how it started with executive assistant to keep Rob on a short leash, now it's an executive administrator who is taking care of everything in the company because a lot of stuff needs to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Now as we're getting ready for the big launch of Impact Unchained, which will probably actually be uh, be well into the ecosystem before this, this podcast goes to air. Okay. Uh, and folks will have heard it and say, holy crap, this is cool. It's like a prescience thing. We're hearing prognostication about what's yeah. coming up. But we talk about body, mind, heart, and soul. And uh, we talk about how we need to honor each of these dimensions, these powers, the human human superpowers. How do you recommend a listener do apply this idea of selecting their path? I mean, is it just a rational discussion with oneself, a, a come to Jesus meeting, or is it attuning to the heart? Is it, I mean, there's got to be a, a, a way to know it's right. Yeah, you know, I, that's a good question, and I think it. It will. De- it depends on the listener. Depends on the person. I know that for me, there have been multiple times in my life. Yes, I've had. I've had to hit rock bottom to then fall upwards, so to speak. But for me, if I'm trying to decide what my path is going to be, whether it's in relationships or job, um, whatever it might be. I I do have to take some time, not a huge chunk of time, but sit down with myself and have that conversation. What do I want? What do I need to do to achieve that? So what do I really want? And that's a conversation I have quite often. For example, what do I want? I want to have a job that I love. Okay, what do I have to do to to get there? Well, I need to surround myself with people that have that same goal. Okay, but how would that make me feel? Well, that would make me feel in community. So what I really want is a community. Okay, cool. So that can help me decide what, what path. Does this job give me the community feeling that I want? Not really. Okay, what about this one? Working at Impact. Holy cow, we are, we have each other's backs. I love that. So therefore, that is a job 
I'm going to love no matter what it is. To be honest, I journal. I think write, <laughs> writing down your pros and cons can kind of help navigate that. But I, 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 I really gravitate towards the what do I want? What do I need to do to get there? How will that make me feel? So that feeling, that heart feeling is what I really actually want. And that can then guide my brain towards, you know, where I want to go. I like that you acknowledge that it's it's unique to each person. Mm -hmm. Some of us are more rational. Some of us are more emotional. And some of us are a combination. In terms of our normal operating procedure, I'm not saying that anyone should be one or the other. Uh, no one should be, here I am shooting on the, on the listener. No, no shooting on you. Everyone <laughs> should choose their own path. That's what it is. Select your path, right? Yeah. And what we're talking about at this moment is that how how I can do that. I, I love a spreadsheet myself. I, I do pros and cons. I'll even fill in the to to throw a, a bone to Microsoft. I'll throw red and yellow and and uh, green uh, backfill into each cell that I I think is a pro or a con when I'm choosing. Even as I did when I was in defense contracting, I would. I would pick the job I really wanted based on the, the the center mass of the benefits, the 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 compensation, the the living conditions, the family friendliness of it, and so I'm in fact for anybody who's listening and is really wrestling right now with their career path, I'm a huge huge proponent, a champion for what colors your parachute. It's an incredible book that walks you through cover to cover, and it's published every year, a new version that includes updates to the ecosystem of technology. Like there was no social media when it was first published. It didn't exist. Now they talk about how to make sure your, you know, your, your presence on social is appropriate for whatever you're going to choose to get into a job, to get hired, or do you want to start your own business. What Colors Your Parachute is a very powerful book, very powerful tool, updated every year that helps you walk through a complex navigation of what you really, really want and get to where you where you where you ought to be selecting that path. That's cool. The the thing you mentioned about we're talking about shoulds, and I, I mentioned having having should it on myself. This is not a new idea though. It's not a, a new dynamic in a in a lot of our lives that we follow the shoulds of somebody else's opinion for become a defense contractor, become a dance instructor. If we have a past in which we should on ourselves all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We're more prone to it, and that's and that goes right back to childhood trauma and other things we talk about in this program. It's very important to acknowledge that people like me, with a obviously a military career, <laughs> can't get much more obvious than a retired Navy SEAL who spent a, you know years in Iraq, years in Iraq, and and months in Afghanistan, and ten years of my life in other countries. 30 plus countries. We, it's obvious these days, you know, we talk about PTSD. It's so, it's like pop culture kind of friendly to talk about the vets have PTS, but not just veterans have PTS. Veter PTS is a human thing. Post traumatic stress is a human thing, not a veteran thing. And so you and I have talked in, in, in candid conversations about our past and about the shoulds we were taught to do to ourselves. And, and that, that's based on not valuing the self enough to say, I what I should do is choose for my damn self. What I should do is honor myself and love myself. Right. And it's, and it, it, there's that tape, right? That plays in your mind of I'm not enough. I don't, I hate to use that word deserve, but it's that the, I'm not enough. So therefore I should stay in this marriage longer. I should 
go and take this job that I don't really want. You touched on it a little bit too. I had, for me, I had to hit literal rock bottom abusive relationship to finally go, well, and, and honestly, I didn't do it on my own. It was, it was therapists, friends, family going, you have to get out of this. But at the end of the day, it was me that made that choice to say, no, I am enough and this is not cool. This is not right. This is not good. I got myself out of that situation and then realized, oh, okay, what do I actually want? I've been living the shoulds. I've been shoulding myself, you know, for, at that point, 30 years. And, uh, and it's very liberating, that feeling. But there again, I think for everybody, it's, it's going to be a little different. But getting back to PTSD, you're right. Of course, veterans have PTSD. How, I, I, sometimes I think, how could you not? Uh, but PTSD can come in so many different forms and something that my own counselors and therapists have helped me realize, again, it's okay. You, you can have PTSD. Did that going to a pho restaurant triggered you? That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you're weak or, you know, subordinate or you're lesser than or you don't deserve to feel that way no like you went into that restaurant you had a horrible memory regarding that restaurant and you started to shake so you needed to leave and that's okay it's okay to feel those feelings even though it's a restaurant it's not battle it's not war right um but it was inside your your battle was inside it was just as real as the memories from a combat Trauma. Which is so fascinating, then stepping back even from a neurological science perspective, I, this is another path, I'm maybe going down, but uh, I think that's so fascinating how our brains can do that, how situations and um, moments can affect our brains in the same way, whether it's a literal physical battle or a battle within. I think that's just really fascinating. I, I like to laugh at myself because it's taken me so long to learn the same lessons about honoring. I've been teaching honoring your body, mind, heart, and soul, staying fit across the powers. And we're talking here about the done zone, the fifth human power of boundary setting, mm-hmm. having a healthy boundary around yourself first, even to the closest person. We talk about five powers and five rings. A, because I'm a Japanese stylist for dojo work and jujitsu, and I love the book of five rings, and uh, we'll always throw in a reference to it whenever possible. But the five rings that we're talking about here, as people can see in our in our, our opening, our flagship podcast episode, episode zero, the five rings are, are yourself to start with, and then your love, the outer ring beyond that, which is any close, you know, the closest relationship, that that life partner for those who have that sort of thing at this time. Beyond that is the family, the home. Beyond that is the work, workplace. And finally, the life. Everybody else you encounter, that's not your immediate partner, your immediate family and friends, your immediate workplace. And so each one of those rings has its own boundary if you're doing life right in a healthy way. The healthy boundary from between the self and the partner, the immediate partner, is the only way that we can be an effective partner, an effective independent partner, 
that's worth balancing against or working with for the other healthy, independent person who has healthy boundaries. And then those two people, if you have that arrangement, have that healthy boundary for the immediate home, family and friends, that you protect that circle. And then you go outward from that. The powers, this the, the done zone, this whole ring around each of the of the of the of the rings, this this boundary, healthy boundary setting, is critical because it protects us enough, gives us that white space, if you will, to think about, you know, what I do deserve to follow my path. I do deserve to select my path, and like you said, the word deserve just feels oogie to us. I don't know if I want to say deserve because that's kind of like egotistical. Right. Nope. The fact is, if we manage our own life right, this whole inner life thing, then we are better for other people than if we abandon ourselves with squishy boundaries. If we are just like my disc, the disc in my spine up at C6 and 7 that had to get cut out. It was herniated, which means like bulging like a bad tire, and it was going to rupture, and it was going to paralyze me. <laughs> Doc said, you dumbass. If you, <laughs> I got yelled at a lot in the Navy for, for <laughs> endangering myself. But hey, you know, team guys say we will fight like we train, so I'm going to train through the pain. But he told me if you jumped one more time, because the surgery happened like seven months after the injury, because we tried to do physical therapy and fix whatever was going on. I didn't know the severity of it. So I just kept running and jumping and playing like a seal. And he said, if you had parachuted one more time and come in hard, very likely would have ruptured that disc. It very likely would have impinged your spinal column and paralyzed you like a big lump of meat from the neck down. You would have been laying there until somebody came and found you. You'd be totally alive. It wouldn't kill you. But you'd be a useless piece of meat because you're too stupid to recognize you got to get professional help for these things. Okay, scolding taken. But the honoring of our discipline, of our boundaries, is the best thing you can do for somebody else. Uh, a friend of mine who talked about the, the divorce that happened after her husband of 25 years ran off with the younger woman. That's like out of the blue, out of the blue. I mean, that must be so shattering. Yeah, we got life, we got dinner, we got meatloaf, we got kids, we got, you know, piano recitals. Hey, a grandbaby's coming along. Oh, by the way, he comes home, I'm leaving you, and I'm going off with Tiffany or whatever. And that's where her life re-began. But she was shattered for weeks and months to follow, and her girlfriend said, come out, come out with me. Let's go out and, you know, take your mind off it. Let's go get a couple of drinks. And it took months for her to finally say, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll choose that. I'll select that course. Right? We talk about choose your change. Choose is everything. In fact, the last these last six tasks of the high impact system spell choose, C-H-O-O-S-E, including today, select your path. And she started sort of t- dipping her toe in the water of interests of her own, not to go out. She wasn't ready to go out after several months, but she thought, let me just put on some music I like. And so she grabs a record, puts on ABBA or whatever, and then she's listening to ABBA and she's like, what the fuck? I don't like ABBA. I like Van Halen. He liked ABBA. And she shattered the record. Talk about symbolic. And I'm not dissing on ABBA. I love ABBA. (laughs) But the point is, it wasn't her jam. Mamma Mia is one of my favorite musicals. I will dispute that for whoever wants to come at me. That's um, her record. That's I mean that wasn't her record. I love I love that story because I I can relate to that. You lost all your identity, all your own identity, right? Because I should I should be the perfect wife. I should be this, that, and the other. I should fit in this, you know, my square peg in this round hole. And next thing you know, when that does get shattered, standing there going, I, I, you're right. I don't know what kind of music I like. I don't, 
know what I really want to do with my career. I don't know what my favorite food is. I know what his is. Yes. She went on to talk about sports. You know, let me, after she had this epiphany with what music she wants to hear and broke all his records and played all hers at full volume, this man, this goes to 11, man. Sorry, Spinal Tap reference. I couldn't resist. Uh, are you sure it goes to 11? Maybe it looks like somebody just wrote the word 11, number 11 on the on the dial. No, man, it's got an 11 on it. It goes to 11. It's louder than 10. People anyway. used to this being a nerdy podcast because I feel like oh, our, yeah. this is like the our nerd, inner nerds are coming out. Nerd Loud. <laughs> you know, I got that domain. One of these days we'll use it, nerdloud.com. <clears throat> so, but but she said uh, she was thinking about, okay, now I've got this music thing figured out and I'm starting to get my life barely on track, barely getting my feet under me, barely not rocked every morning with, with, uh, with pain. I'm going to go swimming. Going to grab my suit, grab my goggles, and go go for a nice relaxing swim and therapeutic swim. And she get her goggles and her, her suit. And she's like, wait a minute. I don't like swimming. He likes swimming. I like tennis. And she threw away the stuff she didn't need. And she got a tennis racket that she hadn't used in 25 years and began to rebuild her life. Choosing, you know, selecting yeah, her choosing. path. And, and, and One choosing, step at a time. Yeah, and choosing that path. Again, like act, action brings clarity. Great. Put your swimsuit on. Put on your goggles. Go swimming. Wait a minute. I don't like this. I actually like this other thing. <laughs> she might not have. She might not have realized that if she hadn't actually put on the suit and gone swimming. Exactly. You step into it. This is the decide step of Uda. We've been talking about Uda for a couple of weeks. Observe, orient, decide, act. Patrick, our, our our own sledgehammer, the fighter pilot, opened this concept with a podcast before this on uh, on on observing your arena, orienting your options selecting your path and executing your mission, which we'll come up with next, next week. But this is a, it's a process of discovery. And like I said, you can't, as Mike Tyson said, everybody got a plan that gets punched in the mouth. In the teams, we understand. In military operations, we understand. You got to move out and then find out, oh, crap, there's a marsh here. We weren't prepared for that. You couldn't know about the marsh. It, you know, We did all the intel prep we could, but we didn't know about that marsh. And now we got to adapt to the reality. But you don't know about the thing you got to adapt to until you step out and do it. Yeah, the sports, the music, the new life, the stopping shooting on yourself. What do you want to foot stomp for this idea of selecting your path? What do you want to leave the listeners with today so they can understand? You know, like we've talked about it. it's okay. You do deserve to select your path. I, I want to interrupt myself there and say it's important to recognize that choosing for yourself is not a selfish activity of course if you're in a long-term relationship with commitments if you're if you're a, a parent we don't just choose to stop being a parent when a kid is seven years old that's not an option there's a moral uh, expectation that does does a the, the should does apply to that but generally speaking we don't want to be abandoning our own lives for the life of somebody else like people look at Archie and Edith right the bunkers we see Edith as being a person who really just revolved around Archie's uh, overwhelming, uh, demanding life. That's not a healthy partnership. I mean, that was a good show, but it wasn't a good yeah. partnership. We want to be a worthy partner, and being a worthy partner means we honor ourselves, love ourselves, respect ourselves first. So with that as the intro, to segue in this performance we're doing today. <laughs> this non-performance we're doing today. You know what? I'm not going to lie. You took the words right out of my mouth. And that is knowing when 
your should is working against you. Knowing when being able to step yourself back. Of course, you have the regular shoulds, like children, commitments, things like that, that you should take care of. So I'm not, again, I'm not saying you should just leave your family and go be a hippie in the woods or whatever. But knowing, knowing when, or being able to step back, when is your should killing your passion or stomping on your wants? Which means it's not right, ultimately. Which, exactly. That's the best indicator. It's not right. And truthfully, Rob, you totally answered it. I mean, that's, that's what I would want to leave with everyone. Yeah, it's... It, Selecting your path is a process of being responsible, accountable. We talk about accountability all the time. It is not just a matter of saying, I want to be a hippie in the woods, which I do. Um, my hair won't support that anymore. Um, I had a lot of hair as a child. I could still be a bald hippie in the woods. I suppose there's some bald hippies. Uh, or get a really cool mullet toupee, toupee. So it's about personal accountability and saying, you know, at some point the shoulds that have, I've, I'm responding to my shoulds, it is true that I should uh, honor my vows, for example, in a relationship. But as, a, as a, a therapist, a PTS therapist taught me, she said, a marriage is a contract. If one person stops keeping up their end of the bargain, you're no longer bound to that agreement. And that's a really healthy way to look at it and say, this is no longer the right place for me to be because this is unhealthy. And when you do break that cycle, you benefit those around you, especially your kids, as I've experienced. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great segue. Uh, the What I would leave with listeners for this episode is we've talked about it this whole time, but that it is okay. It's okay. It's encouraged to sit back, go, this isn't working for me, whether it's a job, relationship, your dinner choice, whatever it is, to say, you know what, this isn't working for me, and that's okay. I'm not being selfish. I'm still, you know, doing my responsibilities. I'm still accountable, but something needs to change for my own inner health and my own sanity. Right, because if you're abandoning yourself, if you're crumbling into a a desiccated shell of a person... You're not going to be any good to anybody else anyway. Exactly. We can't pour from an empty cup. So, Prima, tell the listener how they can get a hold of you when they want to ask about this or anything else that impact. Oh, yes. So, honestly, the best way to get a hold of me would be to use my impact email. So, it's just melissa at impactactual.com. I'm also on Instagram it's a little harder to find, but I'm Tate Dockham. Speaking, going back to my, my teaching days, I had to use my middle name and my last name so my students wouldn't find me on Instagram. Right. But now you can. It's okay. Uh, so that's T-A-T-E-D-O-C-K-U-M on Instagram. But honestly, email. Email is the best. I check that sucker four or five times a day. So Fantastic. This has been very powerful, really, really rewarding for me to hear it. I mean, we're talking about, as it seems is so often the case on this podcast, we're talking about multiple levels. There's the mundane, hey, get a spreadsheet, figure out what the next path is. But why is always underneath it? 
I want to introduce a, a shameless plug for one of my impact rules I've never spoken before. You know, I have ones like TADA, T-D-A-A, which stands for Train Daily Align Always, and A-A-N-S, which stands for Always Accept, Never Settle. But this one is AWAWA, and it stands for Ask Why, Ask Why Again. <laughs> we need to always go back to our why because inside of us is the sure knowledge of what's right. right. Acting wrong, according to that conscience, is just plain wrong for everybody. It's not selfish to be true to yourself because then you're your authentic self that can serve other people in a, in a more healthy way. Exactly. Thanks so much, Prima. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you, everybody who's listening today, and we will see you soon. Next time I'll have to interpretive dance my... Well, that's that's coming up, too, at Impact. Watch out for the movement programs. Yeah, get ready. Really good stuff to look forward to. Have a groovy day, and we will see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois, the podcast that helps you destroy self-limiting beliefs, unchain your potential, and create the meaningful life you were made for. For more information about Impact Actual and the Impact Unchained course, visit impactactual.com. And be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes or wherever you like to listen so you'll never miss a show. We'll see you next time on Beyond Your Limits with Rob Dubois.